You are listening to a sermon from Emmaus Church LCMS. For more information, please go to www.emmauspasco.org. Abundant grace and mercy and peace are yours this day in Christ Jesus, who gives us the gift of time. Amen. So today we have a very striking parable, as Jesus' parables are. They're very visual. We can just picture them happening, even though the, the cultural situation is completely different than anything you know, we're, we're accustomed to with uh, virgins with their with their lamps waiting for a bridegroom. As I understand, it was kind of a little bit of a game. Um, you know, the bridegroom would get, uh, prepare the place uh, for, the, for the wedding and for the feast and for the celebration, for his coming to the bride and all the celebration. But um, the invitation didn't say when he was coming assuming there were invitations. But, uh, and so it's kind of, you know, can you, well, you're going to be awake? You're going to be ready? And so Jesus uses that, that image, and he, he, well, we'll get into what it says. But I, I want to come at it a little different. I want us to think of a different aspect of it. We naturally think, because it's at the end of the church year, about the, the coming of the bridegroom, and our focus is kind of in the future like that. And it should be. And that, that's right, and that's what it's about. But it's also about right now. Right now, that's why it's told to us who are still here. So this is what I want us to think of. First of all, God loves us and calls us through the gospel. That's just the first reality. We don't deserve it. It's totally a mystery. And we should really never get used to it, but we're loved by Almighty God. And we don't deserve it. And he's done what it takes for us to be his through, through word, water. He calls us. It's an amazing thing. But I want us to think of another aspect of it. God graciously loves us and calls us each day. Each day he's calling us by the gospel, inviting us to ponder and reflect on his love for us and his reaching out to us in grace and mercy and kindness. So that each day we savor that, make it our own, take it home to us, bury it deep within us, so it stirs our hearts each day, each day. And thirdly, what we do day by day in response to his calling us and loving us will inevitably affect our ability to meet God when life falls apart. So it has a forward thrust, but I want us to think of steps in, the, in place of that. So back to the story. It's just clearly laid out. Jesus interprets it for us. There's ten, ten virgins 
And he says right up front, five are foolish and five are wise. And then he explains it. What do you mean by foolish? What do you mean by wise? And he says, um, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. So I, I have collected some artifacts from the Holy Land. This is a, a lamp from first century uh, Holy Land. And this is a, a flask that you'd put oil in. And it's not rocket surgery, but you, you put the oil in there. There's a little kind of a something there for to burn. And this would be the light for your house, for the whole house. So it's, um, you can look at it afterwards if you want. And um, somebody gave that to me who would come back from the Holy Land. Um, so that, that's, the, that, that's the story. Now, actually, because they're waiting, they're, it was probably more like a torch that they had, you know, because it's outside waiting for a kind of a procession into the house. But it, all, it does say lamp. So that's kind of a visual for that. So to kind of what, what, I'm, what I've said so far about uh, God loving us and calling us, God graciously calling us each day, and how our day-to-day um, response to that call is going to affect um, our meeting God. Let me, let me flesh it out with just some stories. So I want to tell you about uh, Irv and Bill. Now, they're long gone from, from being among us. This is many years ago in, a, in another state, another congregation I served. Irv was about this tall, wiry little guy, kind of um, high nervous energy type guy. And he loved Jesus passionately. And he loved God's word. And he made use of God's word. He fed on God's word. And he loved sharing about God. And then, then there's Bill. Bill was a spouse of, and I could never, I wasn't sure whether he was a member or not. It was kind of murky in the church records. And I don't know, but I won't get into that. But anyway, his, he and his wife were infirm. This is in their later years. And um, so I'd visit mostly his wife, but he also was there, kind of, kind of in the corner, if you can get my drift, kind of lifting, listening, but um, not really in with the program. <laughs> and didn't say much, just kind of listened, and, you know, he was kind of okay with it, and kind of, a, a, you know, wasn't antagonistic or anything. He was... Um, he was kind of a uh, retired, successful businessman, I think as a banker or something like that. So as I served this congregation quite a few years, I, I was with pe- lots of people as they, as they declined in their, their later stages. Well, it was interesting to watch. Irv, um, he knew he was declining, but he knew what to hold on to. He held on to his Savior, and he, he knew where to find strength and encouragement in God's Word, because he had been finding it through his life. 
And he did de decline, but he was doing so not alone. He was, he was walking with Jesus <laughs> till, his, till his last breath. Bill, when he realized his time was coming, then he started getting interested in what Scripture said. And, um, but he was sort of clueless. See, he, he, he hadn't been, he hadn't been filling his, his reservoir, his, his, uh, his lamp. And he didn't know where to look in Scripture. He didn't know, um, you know, much about anything. And so he was receptive, but he had little resources to draw upon. You getting my picture of the, these these two? It's just um, it was just interesting because they're of a similar age, totally different economic situation, or being very you know blue collar type and bill kind of the executive type. But it reminded me of something that is in the parable. Um, you, bill couldn't borrow herbs oil, so to speak. You understand? He couldn't, yeah, he couldn't draw from Irv that which Irv had been grabbing hold of for decades in terms of God's promises, God's call upon his life, God's love for him. And so he was, Bill was hard-pressed to know what to hold on to as his end approached. If I had time, I'd just tell uh, two other ladies. One is Irene, who is like a sponge, <laughs> uh, just loving God's word, just looking forward to receiving the sacrament when I, I brought it to her in her, her home. And, um, and then a gal named Ancha. Uh, she's the only Ancha. I've known, A-N-T-J-E. I guess it's a German name. Anche, Anche Dubrinsky. Very crusty, very um, kind of antagonistic. A member of the church, but um, um, it, it happened that she was sort of infirm for, like it seemed like forever. <laughs> and I, I developed the closest relationship with her, probably of anybody I'd in all of my years of visiting shut-ins and things, because over the years she just um, she just kind of came out, finally was learning how to walk with the Lord and apply God's word and God's truth to her circumstances and her her decline, and it was beautiful to see. You know, in the Bible we have Jesus gives a parable about, very well known, about a, a poor beggar uh, named Lazarus, only person given a name in a parable. Uh, but the other guy is called Rich Man. That's who he is. He's Rich Man. But that's all he is. That's all he is. He's just Rich Man. And Rich Man ends up in hell. 
rich man didn't listen to the words of the prophets, the promises of God, and too late, he's calling out to Father Abraham. You know the, the story. He didn't use that time that he was given. But I think of Paul. You know, Paul um, had so much pedigree, he could list, you know, Hebrew of the Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, Pharisee of the Pharisees, as to keeping the law, righteous, all this. He said, I cast that aside. I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on to take hold of that which has taken hold of me, Jesus Christ. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. And he lived that life, grabbing daily a hold of what God had for him. And so at the end of his life, what does he say? The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I've run the race, and henceforth there's kept for me a crown of righteousness, which I'll be given, and all those who await his coming. See, Jesus' parable, you can, you can see it as what's well, about that day that's coming, absolutely, but it's also about now, because it's about the the ten virgins, what are they doing now? Are they feeding upon that which they should? You know, same goes for a marriage. This is a, a bunny trail off to the side or whatever. You know, a marriage takes attention to it. means honesty and care extended over time. You've heard the term maybe married singles. If you've ever been to marriage encounter, they use that term married single. People, live, man and woman, living their own life and really never being of one heart, one mind, and sharing it. Why? Because they don't pay the price, don't invest in that relationship. So. This, this, the, what I'm talking about kind of applies in various parts of life. So then the question is, which is, which is more important, the lamp or the flask of oil? Well, it's kind of a chicken-egg thing, isn't it? The, the lamp isn't any good without the oil. Oil isn't any good with the lamp. But Jesus brings them both together in the, in the parable. And so it's a day-by-day day replenishing. Why? Because everything runs down. Second law of thermodynamics. It's true in relationships. It's true in our health. It's true in your car. It's true in, in everything. Everything tends to run down and be kind of used up. And I think that's what's behind Amos' reading that we had today. You're talking about you, you want the day of the Lord? You're looking forward to that? Well, 
I hate your your ceremonies because you're just going through the motions. Your heart isn't in it. I have something I like looking at from time to time in my house. It's this. It's my wife's Bible. And I like it because it's so beat up. It's used. It's her confirmation Bible. Ethel L. Ruprecht. How's that for a German name? <laughs> Ruprecht. And her confirmation date, March 22nd, 1959. But this is used. It has underlining. It's got little scribblings and notes. But it's just mostly used. And it's a blessing to me whenever I look at it. I'm not sure when or how, but uh, she also, also often used the, uh, the Book of Common Prayer, which is just a wonderful collection from the old Church of England before it went apostate, um, of wonderful prayers and, and readings and psalms. That was her day. She, she, she used this day by day by day. She was filling a lamp filling her lamp. So she had something to draw upon when crises came. And a crisis can be all kinds of things. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But I, just to think of this, I just brought a, a deposit slip from a bank. Why? Making deposits. You know, it's a no-brainer. You know, you can't just keep taking things out of your account. We need to deposit. But it's the same in our, in our spiritual life. Daily deposit. So maybe taking one verse of Scripture and just really owning that, really taking time with it, asking questions of it, reflecting on it, letting it speak to your heart, let it prompt confession. Uh, maybe it's a portals of prayer, which is typically based on just a, a scripture. But a prayer also, you know, it's wonderful prayers like in portals of prayer. I'm always amazed at the beauty of words that are put together. And I read that and think, oh, that's, that's what I wish I could have said. And I make it my own. Um, but I'm talking about the, the dailiness of it, making deposits. But there's the weekly as well. We, we come together and we do what Christians for 2,000 years have done. And it's rooted in the old covenant as well, to confess our sins, to acknowledge our need, and to receive assurance of forgiveness. And, absolution from our sins and to hear God's word as it's read and as we, we sing it together to each other and as we take a portion of it and examine it more closely. And then as we, we, we meet the Lord himself in the table, it's how he feeds us, it's how he restores us, it's how he, he ministers to us, how, how he builds us up through word 
and and sacrament. So, why do we do this? Because time of crisis is coming. Now, you can say it and find with the text, there is that, that day of the Lord that's coming. But, you know, there's other kinds of crises that God uses in our life. You know, uh, a financial turnaround, a health failing, a, um, a family member, um, something happening to, or job loss. There's these crises where all of a sudden we're, we're set back on our tracks. If we don't have, if we, if, if, if the time to prepare for a crisis is not in the crisis, right? You get the idea. Same with sports, you know. The time to work on that jump shot is not when five guys are in your face. It's when nobody's there and you just <coughs> put them away. Uh, so crises will come. And those get our attention. Those help us say, what's really important in my life? What am I building my life on? Things seem to be falling apart. I don't like this situation. This is a pain in the neck. And, and what, where, what, what's the foundation of my life? See, crises get our attention and help us fo focus on that and prepare us for the ultimate of our last breath, our last day, or the coming of the Lord. So, so I bring this. This is a clock. Why do I bring it? It reminds me that time is a gift from God. See, time is an important element in the story, the parable that Jesus tells, right? What do you do with the time until the bridegroom, the bridegroom is going to come? He will show up sometime, but there's time to, to use. Um, we have opportunity to fill our, our, um, our lamp, fill our hearts, fill our minds, build our life upon that which is true and eternal. See, in Ephesians 5, it says, be filled with the Spirit. And the actual meaning of the Greek there is keep on being filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. So it's that day by day, partaking of the means of grace, feeding upon what God has for us, His Word. We need to hear the Gospel Word again and again. We need to hear, uh, discover afresh God's loving Word because He's calling us calling us, calling us day by day. So a couple of verses come to mind. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And what Paul says, he says, as fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. I tell you that now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We are given the gift of time to 
receive that which God has for us this day, this place. Because we don't know what's coming. But we know God's grace is what we need. Let's pray. Well, Father, you who are outside of time and place us in time and give us the gift of time with daily opportunities, we thank you that we are people who are loved. We are people who are accepted. We are people who are forgiven in Christ. We're the baptized ones who are yours. Oh, Lord God, may we use that precious gift of time to deepen our relationship with you, feeding upon that which you yourself provide for us, that we might be fit and ready for the calamities of life, which are inevitable living in a fallen world. We rejoice that we are yours, and that makes all the difference. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. This has been a message from Emmaus Church LCMS. We thank you for listening and invite you to find out more by visiting our website at www.emmauspasco.org. That's www.emmauspasco.org. M-M-A-U-S-P-A-S-C-O dot org.